From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Preliminary election work is complete in this year's city regular municipal election in Juneau. As of Friday, October 14th, 9,366 ballots have been received for review, with 9,046 ballots approved and added to Friday's unofficial results update. The unofficial results for Proposition 1, the bond request for a new city hall, shows that it failed, with 4,351 voting yes and 4,593 voting no. Propositions 2 and 3 show a wide margin between the yes and no votes, Prop 2 received 6,056 votes for and 2,923 against. For Prop 3, 6,192 voted yes, while 2,793 voted no. On Proposition 4, the Citizen Ballot Initiative to repeal the city's mandatory disclosure ordinance passes with 4,649 voting yes and 4,281 voting no. The remaining ballots and any additional ballots or cure letter responses that come in the mail between now and certification will be processed during the Canvas Review Board's work. Voters have until 4.30 p.m. this Monday to contact the CBJ Elections Office to cure their ballots so they can be approved for counting by the Canvas Review Board. The board begins its work on Monday at 10 a.m. at the CBJ Ballot Processing Center off Thane Road. Catherine Schleck from the Alaska STEAM Conference talked about an author meet-and-greet that took place over the weekend at JDHS. The Saturday event takes place every year in Alaska, and this was the first time in three years it occurred. Most authors are from Juneau, and one from Haines and one from Gustavus. It was also changed this year with more of a STEAM focus. And we've invited them here to the Alaska STEAM Conference, and this event is sponsored by ASLA, the Alaska State Literacy Association. They wanted to have a presence here at the STEAM Conference, and we tried to kind of focus on authors and illustrators or any type of writer, anyone who is kind of a naturalist. Educators at the conference could come in, talk with authors, maybe learn how they could use their works or use strategies that they use through the writing process or creative process in their classrooms. Heather Lind, the winner of this year's Alaska State Writer Laureate, talked about how it felt to receive the award. It was surprising and wonderful, and I feel really like I am here uh, just representing the diverse, inspiring Alaska writing community. Lots of Alaska authors and books that translate to education, and also, I think, having stories about the place where you live and things that are familiar are really important for young people growing up in a place that is as unique as Alaska. Juno Symphony Executive Director Charlotte Truitt talked about their Roaring Twenties party held Saturday night at Elizabeth Pradovich Hall and what to expect next. We're celebrating our 60th anniversary. We start our first main stage concert is next weekend, October 22nd and 23rd at Juno Douglas High School. And tickets are available now. Concert Saturday night is at 8 p.m. Sundays at 3 p.m. Both at Juno Douglas High School. Taylor Vidick and the Swinging Gents gave people a tune to practice dancing in their flapper dresses. Stars, 
Pruitt said what the theme of their 60th anniversary season will be. This is our epic season, so all of the concerts are kind of over the top. You know, they are epic, doing really amazing symphonies that are very classic. People will know, like we're doing the Scheherazade, and it's a beautiful romantic symphony. I think people will love to hear that. Then every concert has just really incredible music. Meg Thorstensen from Capital City Fire and Rescue talked with Angel Montgomery on Capital Chat about upcoming haunted houses. Dates are October 21st, October 22nd, October 28th, and 29th. $5 to get in, and we're really excited about doing it this year because we haven't done it for the last two years. It starts at 5.30 until 9.30. The haunted house will take place at 2601 Sherwood Drive, the fire station training center across from the DMV. She also said that no pre-registration is required. It will be the fifth haunted house with a break through the pandemic. Thorstenson noted that the Coast Guard will be helping out. And okay. this year we have the Coast Guard. They're going to help us out with some of their members are going to participate in the haunted house as well as they're going to set up a food tent. So they'll have hot chocolate and cider and popcorn and cotton candy available for sale. They'll take cash only out there. She also said CCFR is always looking for more volunteers. Capital City Fire and Rescue is always looking for volunteers. If you're interested in volunteering with the department, there's something for everybody. Just stop down at 820 Glacier Avenue and chat with the folks down there, and they'll get you set up to volunteer with the department. Denny Darby of Southeast Seniors was on Capital Chat with Dano to talk about a Juno Parkinson's support group event coming up this month. The Southeast Seniors partnered with the Northwest Parkinson's Foundation, and on October 22nd, Dr. Pinky Agarwal, who is a neurologist but also a movement disorder specialist, will be meeting with the Juno Parkinson's uh, support group at the Valley Library from 2 to 4. Gubernatorial candidate Les Gara outlined his thoughts on addressing housing in Alaska while on Action Line. One suggestion he's heard is to work with tribes to seek out resources. There is tribal housing money. There's HUD housing money. Uh, the feds help with mixed-use housing, which is good. Mixed-use housing is better than just low-income housing. We have learned that you can't just put low-income people together and think that will be successful. So, so we do mixed-income housing. I think we should sit down with all of the entities that can leverage funding, including our Alaska Housing Finance Corporation, and come up with a plan for each community and, and see if we can create synergies between those who are building workforce housing and, and our regional housing and tribal housing authorities and the state and the AHFC. Another suggestion was to start funding a state program that paid half the utilities cost of building a home. The state has a plan that's been unfunded for a decade, a statute that says one of the most expensive things about creating new housing is building is bringing utilities into a new subdivision. The state used to pay half that cost uh, as long as the savings were passed off to consumers. We haven't funded that program in over a decade. So there are things we can do, but I, I think we're going to have to all come together and figure out how to do this. And, and I think uh, the, 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 the solutions are going to be different for each community. I know a lot of communities are looking at uh, trying to limit the number of VRBOs and bed and breakfasts when you don't have enough housing for people, uh, for teachers and police and, and, and residents. So. Um, that's a community response that, that, that a lot of communities are looking at, but, but I think we have to figure out how to do this together. Gubernatorial candidate Les Gara. Seeking to change the way public employee unions work in Alaska, the state 
of Alaska attempted to convince state Supreme Court justices uh, last week that a 2018 U.S. Supreme Court decision requires union members to opt into their unions annually. That decision addressed only non-union were required to pay fees to unions, but attorney Jessica Alloway, representing the state, said the decision, known as Janus, also covers union members by implication. So week one, the employee says, yes, I want to associate with the union and I want to pay dues. The union is committing them to pay those dues for a year. But eight months down the line, the union employee doesn't know what that union's speech is going to be. And now they say, I don't support the union anymore. They've made a statement on a sensitive political issue that I don't agree with. I want to opt out of the union. But the union says you can't do that. And so that's the state's position is you need um, a public employee to say, I want to affirmatively associate with the union. And because this is such a situation where the union's speech is going to change over time. You need to give that employee the ability to opt out in a reasonable time. This account from the Alaska Beacon, who said the case stems from a 2019 opinion from former Alaska Attorney General Kevin Clarkson, who wrote that the Janus decision requires members of state public employee unions to affirm or reject membership annually. Matthew Murray, an attorney representing the ASEA in court, noted that if the state's position were upheld, it would be a revolution in private contract law. The Supreme Court has made clear in the Cohen versus Cowles Media case that the First Amendment does not confer a constitutional right to disregard promises that would otherwise be enforced under state law. And as the state concedes, the union membership agreements between individual employees and the union are voluntary contracts that are enforceable under Alaska state law. Uh, the district court in the Creed and Woods cases held that uh, with respect to the exact same agreements and parties that are at issue here. And honoring the private contracts between private parties does not violate the First Amendment. Private parties enter contracts that implicate First Amendment rights all the time. Arbitration agreements, non-disclosure agreements, annual magazine subscriptions. Um, Courts do not require proof of some sort of heightened waiver standard before enforcing private contracts. The state is asking this court to effectuate a revolution in private contract law. Justice Daniel Winfrey told attorneys that the case will be undertaken under advisement with a written decision to be issued at a later date. Ben Stevens, a former Alaska Senate president and a son of the late U.S. Senator Ted Stevens, died. He was 63. The president of ConocoPhillips... Alaska released a statement Friday saying the company was deeply saddened by the sudden passing of Stevens. Ben Stevens worked as vice president of external affairs and transportation for the oil company. A company spokesperson says Stevens died Thursday evening. Stevens joined the company in early 2021 after working as chief of staff to Republican Governor Mike Dunleavy. The IRS is looking for millions of people to apply for money they may have missed out on. It seems there are almost 10 million people who did not receive the last round of COVID relief funds, and the time to get it is running out. ABC's Deirdre Bolton has details. Taxpayers who did not meet the April 15th deadline have until tomorrow, October 17th, to file for the third and final round of COVID stimulus payments worth up to $1,400 per person. Those who are eligible, people whose adjusted gross income, $75,000 or less as a single filer, $160,000 or less as a joint filer. Families also entitled to $1,400 for dependents of any age. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com.
Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.